Hello, and welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Betting Pod. Might have to change the name. Yeah, sure. uh, we'll yeah I meant to bring it, that up to uh, you uh, prior to hitting that record button. We do need to probably come up with a smoother name with the uh, with the transition to the focus on betting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll uh, we'll workshop it for now. You'll still find us at Fantasy Football, um, but. In any case, uh, we are recording here on a Monday night just after the Packers lose to the Raiders on Monday Night Football in a very, very sluggish game overall. Cody, how uh, how are we feeling? How was week five for you, both from a betting standpoint and just an overall uh, you know, happiness standpoint, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. The betting standpoint went good, went two and one on the best bets. Unfortunately, I cannot hit an under any time that I recommend it on the podcast. I... Uh, Love betting unders on any primetime game. If you took it on Monday, that was another hit for a primetime under. But anytime I recommend it on the podcast, it does not go well for me. Um, from a fantasy football perspective, had a wonderful week in every single league except for the one that you and I are in, in which oh. my team lost by about 80-something points, um, putting up a nice 43 yeah, points total, I think, on the week. So that one was a little bit rough, but the rest of it went pretty good. Survived the guillotine league, survived the survivor pool so not too bad overall happiness is going pretty well right now how was your weekend uh, it was pretty solid two and one uh as well on the best bets went three and two across my five leagues uh, i believe that is my third straight three and two weeks so we are continuing to you know end up somewhat positive uh that's really all you can ask for when you're in five leagues you're not going to win them all every week with all the different matchups but yeah i just want to uh I want to go back to to your fifty point week, not to rub it in, but the 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 injury luck that you had was probably some of the worst I've seen from a single week of fantasy. We had a uh, Anthony Richardson starting quarterback. For those of you who played him, you know he left very early. Uh, Justin Jefferson, he left not so early, but still a hamstring injury to his best player. Zay Jones left early, did catch a touchdown before he left, but only played a half. And then Khalil Herbert. Started out amazing, looked really good, 10 for 76, also left with a high ankle sprain. So, uh, you know, sometimes you, you know, make some bad lineup decisions. Sometimes your guys don't play well, and sometimes you just get the raw end of the stick. So just know it happens to Got shafted, the best of us, for guys. Sure. Uh, it really, <laughs> I'm big time shafted, Cody. Yeah, your injury luck this year has been something else in that league. I've sure. had extreme, extremely lucky injury luck the past two seasons in that league, and it is just pouring on and right now. It's coming to roost. With all of it. Yeah. But, you know, we got hopefully Saquon, Austin Eckler both coming back next week. We'll have Keenan Allen to help with the Justin Jefferson injury. Chris Godwin hopefully going to be a fine wide receiver two option. We'll see. But, yeah, it's the injuries just keep on coming. And, uh, I unfortunately, so I have Justin Je or not sorry, I have Justin Fields in three leagues, and I was like, you know what? I don't want all my emotions to ride on how Justin Fields does on Thursday Night Football because if he pulls a week one, two, or three, I'm kind of feeling iffy about the rest of the weekend. So I benched him in one league, started him in two, and the one league I benched him in, I benched him for Anthony Richardson. So I I luckily overcame oh, no. in one, but uh, that was because of just a very very lucky george kittle three touchdowns on uh sunday night football but yeah i i was sitting there looking at 46 on my bench from justin fields and a nice four four points put up by anthony richardson so thought i had sanked my week but luckily snuck one out there yeah process is probably sound there on the anthony richardson play but what are you gonna do hopefully uh 
You'll have Fields moving forward the next three weeks. Look pretty damn good for him in fantasy, if I say so myself. Um, you want to go ahead and hit the drop? We'll get into some uh, NFL. Have you heard the news? Time for Nick's news and notes from around the NFL. So with our shift from a fantasy focus to more of a betting focus, I'm going to uh, kind of skew these news and notes uh, to that direction as well. We're going to be looking at more NFL, you know, relevant relevant notes. For example, John, uh, James Conner has an injury that may keep him out for a week or two. Uh, that didn't make its way onto uh, my segment here. I guess it did since I'm mentioning it right <laughs> now. But in a general sense, those are the types of injuries that I will be leaving off. We're going to go with... Uh, you know, injuries that are very relevant to NFL teams that are likely to impact their either their line movement week to week or just their overall outlook as a team uh, moving forward. Anthony Richardson, he had an AC joint injury, as we mentioned. Uh, his early expectation is four to six weeks. It's still early. It's Monday night after the game, so we don't know for sure, but he is definitely going to be out at least a week. Expectation is that he gets put on IR. So we are going to see Gardner Minshew starting for the Indianapolis Colts for a little bit here. Uh, Jonathan Taylor also signed a contract extension. We haven't mentioned that on the pod yet right before the game started. And of course, Zach Moss went off for 150 yards and two touchdowns because the NFL makes a ton of sense. Yep. Matt Milano, he could miss the rest of the season with a leg fracture. This is actually a pretty big deal. He's a linebacker for the Bills, a really, really good one. They just lost their best cover corner in Tredavious White the week before to a torn Achilles. So uh, they are feeling it on the defensive side. Uh, you know, I wouldn't normally be concerned about a blip on the radar loss to the Jaguars in London in the middle of the year in week five uh, for the Bills. But uh, because of these defensive injuries, it, it could be a bit of a problem. They did just sign Josh Norman today. Uh, screams of a bit of desperation pulling him out of retirement uh, to bring him into your secondary. So uh, that is something to watch with the Bills moving forward. Their defense might not be as uh, formidable as it was earlier in the year. Justin Jefferson also, as I mentioned earlier, he injured his hamstring. Definitely fantasy relevant, but also very relevant to uh, the betting lines as well. There's no update yet. I would expect him to miss at least a week, maybe more, with this 1-4 Vikings team not maybe being in the playoff conversation right now. I would not expect them to rush him back. He also did not sign that contract extension yet that we all expected, so uh, I would not expect him to rush back as he shouldn't uh, without having that contract and without his team really being in a spot to compete right now. So we will mention this later, actually. So I'll just save that, uh, save that conversation for uh, later on when we do the early look at next week's lines. Uh, this one actually just, it was just such a sad story. So I had to include it. Detroit defensive back, Emmanuel Mosley. He tore his right ACL in his first game back from his left ACL tear last year, signed a one-year deal with the Lions after uh, yeah, playing his first sucks. five years with the Niners. Really, really sucks. Yeah, he's a great player when he's on the field and uh, looked like he was finally healthy. And then obviously the uh, the opposite knee goes. Just a really, really tough situation there. There was also an uh, offensive lineman for the Panthers that had a really scary-looking neck injury, left in a on the cart and went to the hospital, but he's actually all right. He went uh, ended up going home with the team. I believe his last name was Zavala. Hopefully I didn't butcher that. But anyway, uh, so he's all right, but Mosley, sad to hear. He will be out for the year again. Daniel Jones suffered a neck injury and left the game. His status is to be determined, uh, being that it's a neck injury and being that he suffered a very similar injury at the end of 2021. I would expect them to be very cautious with him, similar to the Viking situation. 
Giants are not necessarily a competing team right now. They're going on the road to Buffalo next week. Even with the defensive injuries, that is going to be a pass rush that could probably get after Daniel Jones. Uh, there, you're probably going to see Tyra Taylor in that game and maybe another after that. Uh, I don't know if that's even going to impact the line as that much. This team is just that bad right now. Uh, Cody, do you have anything to add to the NFL news and notes, or do you want to move on to our recap? My only additional comment is I can't believe the Bills can't find anybody better than Josh Norman to bring in uh, to play cornerback. Like, there's no 24, 25-year-old, like, practice squad guy out there that can perform better than Josh Norman coming back out of retirement. So, yeah, I believe the 49ers did the same thing either last year or two years ago. Got him out of early retirement to – to suit up for them. So maybe he just likes to pick and choose his teams. Maybe, maybe that's just the thing that we're he, missing here. He did have a cup of coffee with the bills towards the end of his career. Uh, I don't know how long he was actually there, but there is a relationship there at the very least, but yeah, it gotcha. definitely screams desperation uh, for that team right now. So hopefully they can, you know, cut off the, the injury bug that they have going on right now. These last two weeks, two injuries to two of their best three or four defensive players. Not a good uh, situation there in Buffalo right now. That is probably a good transition point to our uh, recap here. We're going to go uh, one each, and uh, we had three best bets last week. So uh, I will start off. We'll get the bad out of the way first. Jacksonville at Buffalo. I took Buffalo minus five and a half. This is a bit of a fool's bet at the end of the day, it looks like. Bills just put up a stinker in this one. Cody brought up the point on our best bets pod that he was a little nervous that Buffalo would have a little malaise traveling to London when Jacksonville was able to stay there all week after playing uh, their previous game in London as well. And he ended up being right on the money here. Uh, It was a 25-20 win for Jacksonville, but honestly, it was um, not even that close of a game. Jacksonville scored a late touchdown to go up by 12. Buffalo Put up another touchdown in what was a basically garbage time with about two minutes left to, to make it closer. But, yeah, they had never had a chance to cover it. Bills just, you know, they, they seem to put up three or four of these stinkers a year. So if you're going to you're gonna back them and give some points, you're just going to have to live with these occasionally. And, uh, you know, no regrets on my end is what it is. Uh, shout out to Cody for kind of uh, sniffing that one out. Yeah, I was actually thinking about this while watching that game on Sunday morning uh, just because there's been a lot of talk about – potentially the Jaguars moving to London or anything like that, they would be a perennial nine and eight, eight and nine football team because anybody who had to travel to them, they have the best home field advantage. If you include the jet lag and anytime they had to travel to a U.S. game for an away game, they would have terrible jet lag. So I think that kind of played out a little bit on Sunday. Like I don't think it's logistically possible for there to be a team that far away. Um, It'll be a little bit different yeah. this week when we have you know both teams leave at the same time. Um, well, maybe not the same time, but Tennessee and Baltimore, none, neither of them being over there for a full week. But I'm sure there will be more games like this in the future, so I'm curious to see if a trend kind of starts where, like, if Jacksonville plays two games over there every year, the second game that they're there, do they just – is it almost like an automatic W because they're so refreshed compared to the team that they're playing? So, Or at least a cover. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, my first game here, I took New Orleans plus one at New England. This was a pretty easy W. I was very worried about this one, both during the recording and basically right up into game time. I was worried that Bill Belichick was 10 times the coach that Dennis Allen is. I think before this game, statistically, Dennis Allen was like worst or second worst head coach in NFL history when you looked at his combined records. So I just, I didn't feel too good about it, but as soon as the game got started, 
the Patriots offense was completely inept and it felt like this bet was cashed in the second quarter. So not really a bunch of analysis in this game since it was such a big blowout, but I think it's just more, I mean, I would just bet new England unders and if they're playing any one, any something of a good team, I would just take the other team right now. I don't think Bill Belichick's coaching advantage can, uh, can help save this offense. Yeah, it's uh, it's really bad for New England right now. Uh, combined seventy-two to three in their past two games, they have lost. Um, yeah, I mean, at home against New Orleans should have been not necessarily a get-right game because New Orleans has a great defense, but certainly a winnable game against a team that has looked, uh, you know, somewhat lackluster this year on offense for sure. And just uh, you know, if you are if you're going to be a playoff caliber team, you need to win these games at home. And they didn't. They not only did not win it, they got absolutely smoked. I will uh, transition that to my second bet, which did cash as well. Took the under in the same game, 39 and a half. This one should have been super easy. Mac Jones really made me sweat it out. Tried to hand the cover to or hand the over to the New Orleans Saints on their own. He had a defensive touchdown against with a pick six. He gave them multiple short fields on turnovers. But alas, the Patriots offense was not able to score even a single point. So it was um, just enough at 34 to zero to stay under the total. I was definitely sweating it all the way till the end. I was waiting for that garbage time touchdown to just backdoor me and, uh, you know, really crap on my day. But uh, thankfully new England just, uh, they ended up just kind of running the clock out at the end, which was good to see. Yep. All it would have taken was the one last second touchdown from new England to lose the game 34 to seven for this game, for the over to hit. I was waiting waiting for it the whole time. I, 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 mm, I was, I saw it coming, but it, yeah, thankfully they they got the ball back with like six minutes left and just ran it three straight times right off the middle. I was like, oh, thank God, they're just they're they're rolling over right now. Thank thankfully, absolutely. Nope, I I like that one quite a bit. Um, all right, my second one, I I feel the exact opposite of the way that I felt about my first bet: Baltimore at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh plus four and a half. I felt like this was a terrible bet for eighty to eighty five percent of the game. Uh, Pittsburgh's offense was terrible i mean they looked as bad as new england's offense did the ravens wide receivers had six to seven drops on sunday i mean if they catch even probably half of those pittsburgh doesn't even really have a chance to cover um obviously the terrible interception by lamar jackson late in the game um in the in the end zone i mean just all kinds of stuff that just you feel lucky winning this one but if you just look at the numbers and look at the current historical trend it would tell you to bet it every single time. So um, I would say this one, I feel a little bit lucky about just with the way the game was going for the majority of it. But when it's Baltimore Pittsburgh right now, you just take the underdog and the points and just let the game play out. It's always going to come down to one of those last couple of possessions. Yeah. I was going to say, I just, I have to disagree with you. I think this is exactly how we kind of thought this bet was going to play out. I mean, we didn't say we, maybe we didn't say Baltimore was going to dominate you know, on in on paper and, you know, with your eyes the whole game. But you know, these are this is just kind of the way these Baltimore and Pittsburgh games always play out. Doesn't matter if one team is clearly superior at moving the ball up and down the field or playing defense. There's just there's gonna be a mistake one way or another that turns things. It happens every single time and it's certainly happened in this one. Uh yeah. I the definitely the first fifteen minutes I thought you might get blown out of this one. But uh then, you know, just a couple of mistakes happened, really sh- uh, shifted the game. Lamar played a great game in this one. If you have him in fantasy, I feel for you. I was actually at um, a bar with my dad, and he had Lamar Jackson in this one. 
was just we were just throwing our hands up because he should have had three or four touchdowns that were all dropped by his receivers, uh, like Cody said. So, uh, yeah, these, these Pittsburgh Baltimore matchups just always have a way of being really, really close. If you're getting four and a half points at, on the home side, you should take it every time with these two teams. Absolutely. My third best bet, I went against my team, which is never good juju, but when they're this bad, it's just too easy. Uh, New York Jets plus two and a half at Denver. Uh, that went back and forth a little bit in the first half. I was kind of nervous. Our offense was actually showing some juice, especially the new running back, Jaleel McLaughlin, had a few nice plays early on. But once Brees Hall took over, uh, this game was fairly in hand for the Jets for most of the second half. He had over 170 yards. Um, you know, I told you to take them to win, and they did by 10 at the end of the day. Uh, it was a little bit closer than that, I'd say, but still. The, the line just never made sense getting points in this game, being the clearly superior team in my mind. So pretty easy cover and win overall there. Uh, my easiest one of the day. Not not much sweating going on at the end there. Yeah, there's not too much to say. We'll get into Denver here in a little bit because I want to mention them uh, just a little bit in our – in our preview for next week's bet. So I'll hold what I have to say about them. And then, yeah, I mean, the Jets, I mean, the offense really didn't look that good, but when you could turn it around and give it to Brees Hall on uh not on a snap count, it does not matter. Exactly. All right. My last bet of the week, my only losing bet, Dallas at San Francisco under 45. Tough luck. Got to take that loss there. Um, two of my only two of my three losses, both 49ers under. So, Maybe just stop betting on that. But I really feel like the process was sound. I mean, the Cowboys just couldn't get anything going against the 49ers defense, kind of what I expected. And on the other side of it, the 49ers just kept scoring touchdowns. I mean, if we get, you know, two of those touchdowns get held to field goals, the unders hit, you know, there's some other possibilities in there, you know, a takeaway or something like that just kind of keeps the game more in balance. But uh, Dallas was just was just giving up touchdowns left and right. Not really much else to say about that. Um, Nick, I would say you're a – you've been a – not a doubter, but just a non-believer in Brock Purdy. Did you watch this game, and does it make you feel any different about Brock Purdy? He looked really, really good in this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have much to say other than that. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, he, he played a really good game. There was actually a lot of really good throws down the field. Uh, I still think there is a lot of just – Great scheming going on here in the San Francisco offense, and I'm not ready to say he is a top 10 quarterback or, you know, there are some books making him a top five MVP candidate. Give me a give me a damn break. He's not even he wouldn't even be the top two of the MVPs on his own team. But um, yeah, I mean, he, he did look really, really good last night. I don't have much to say. I mean, he he was fantastic. There was a lot of tight window throws he made, and uh, I got to give him full credit. So he came out and played his best game that I've seen him play. Uh, to my eyes in the NFL so far. Um, but yeah, yeah, the, the Cowboy, I mean, Dak Prescott really ruined you because you were you were looking real good up until about the five-minute mark of the third quarter. Yep. Uh, and then Dak proceeded to throw three interceptions on about five or six passes. The Niners scored touchdowns on every single one of them, I believe, and um, pushed this thing over. But yeah, I mean, otherwise you probably would have been fine. I think this was a bit of a bad beat for you, honestly. So yeah. Um, yeah, when one side scores 10 in an over-under of 45, you'd expect to cover that 95% of the time, but not in this one, unfortunately. Yep, exactly. Um, I'll transition that to my long shot yep. bet because it never had a shot. I had the Cowboys winning, but the first leg was already ruined. It was the Rams winning. 
uh yeah i mean it was i think the rams actually played a really good game and this at the start i didn't i watched the first half couldn't see couldn't see the second half of my way home but uh their offense just completely fell off uh fell off the wagon i mean they, they were moving the ball well on the eagles in the first didn't see what happened but they only had i think a little under 100 total yards in the second half so uh the eagles defense really turned it on and then obviously the cowboys just got absolutely smoked i will say i think we're gonna i'm gonna keep this long shot bet segment in here but if we are being good, smart betters, there's a reason Vegas is giving you plus odds on parlays. D- don't take them regularly. You know, if you're if you are a casual better, you want to do a little sprinkle and have a chance to win some decent change. Uh, I get it, but there, yeah, again, there is a reason that parlays are they're always going to make money for the books, even though they're giving you odds. So just know that going into these, uh, we will continue to give them. But I, if if it was me, I would. Uh, Go ahead and just keep placing the the single bets on the uh you know on our best bets every week because those are gonna end up cashing better for you. For for example, I don't bet money on my long shot bet usually unless I just absolutely love it for some reason. But I will I'll put a little bit of little bit of ched on each one of my best bets because I actually feel strongly about them. Yeah, I I agree with you. Maybe maybe we find a way to switch it up from being a long I don't I don't really necessarily know but I well, I agree with you because it we'll is talk off camera yeah we'll something. figure something out cuz I agree I I mean I have put a very small wager on all of mine just so that way I can if anyone ever asked do I actually bet these I could just say yes but like if my unit size is let's just break it down to easy numbers is $10 on a normal straight bet then I would put you should put no more than a dollar on a parlay it should be no more than 10% right. of what you'd on a straight bet. Um, just sm- that's the way I guess smart bettors would, would say to do it, but I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. yeah. If you're don't look at us at our long shot bets and just say that we, we can't hit anything. There's a reason why the books will give you plus plus seven fifty odds on just two guys to score sound a touchdown. a little excusey. I will say, yeah, I didn't mean it to come off that way. I just, I just kind of, that's just kind of my philosophy I'm, when I'm going into this. Like I, I like giving these bets because they're fun, but at the end of the day, I don't think they are smart money. Like I do believe a lot of our best bets are smart money. Uh, I clearly, I, yeah, what are we, I'm right there with two and eight so far this year. I'm actually swearing off parlays in general. So (laughs) I I need to, there's (laughs) honestly, if you like, if you want to make yourself a profitable better, just never bet a parlay because the one out of 10 you hit, you're still losing multiple units on because you're still losing the other nine. So it's just, it's not really, it's not really worth it, but you know, if you hit a couple, it makes you feel good. It is what it is. My long shot was a same Laporta touchdown and a tank Dell touchdown parlayed together. Um, yeah, it is definitely a bad beat. It definitely went the way that I thought Nico Collins did not have the week that, uh, you know, he did have the week I was expecting with AJ Terrell on him. Unfortunately, Dalton Schultz was the one who ended up in the end zone for Houston. So it's a rough loss, um, especially with Sam Laporta just doubling up. So it was almost like he wanted to give one to Tank Dell for me, just uh, just for the long shot bet to hit. But it is what it is. I kind of like just maybe that. Maybe I'll just keep it consistent and just do a two leg anytime TD parlay. Those consistently get right around plus five, plus six hundred, and. I can at least make an argument for why I think it can happen. So, um, and Dell, uh, Dell left in the second quarter. This one with a concussion. So you, yeah, I was. That was why I was saying it was a bad. Did he? Re- I mean, oh he, wow! He was actually having a real. Yeah, he was having a great game up until then. Already had three catches for fifty-seven yards on four targets. 
think it was playing out largely the way you kind of I didn't know it was it that with, early. Uh, Collins being covered up by Terrell. And uh, yeah, Dell would have had a pretty good chance, I'd imagine, of scoring that touchdown later on because he was already finding success against that Atlanta secondary. But yeah, that, that was a, a good, uh, you know, the bones were there, but sometimes, uh, you know, these are these are real human beings. It just doesn't work out. Yeah. Um, well, damn, I love long shots. Let's go ahead. Man. I mean, I was right there, baby. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is that's like my J.K. Dobbins one in week one. All right. Sometimes it just don't work exactly. out. Exactly. Um, let's do an early look at the week six lines. Uh, these aren't necessarily going to be our best bets this week, but I think these are the ones that are catching our eye early on here. Uh, there will be movement in between now and Friday when we actually record, but. Uh, again, I think these are the ones that, on first glance, I uh, and Cody are interested in to begin with, uh, starting with the London game, Baltimore at Tennessee. I like the under of 39.5. We have seen these teams look really sluggish after traveling. Both of these teams have been pretty consistently hitting their unders, or at least close to it, especially on the Tennessee side. And uh, again, I think the uh, the sluggish nature of the jet lag you get from going to London will play into this one as well. The line has already moved from 40 to 39 and a half for it to move that quickly that like right after being put out tells you that anybody who has, you know, a stake is putting the uh, the money on the under immediately. So I this is one that I might recommend doing now because by the time we get to Friday, it could be 38 and a half and 38 or something like that. And then we'll probably be off of it at that point. But uh, it's, I think it's worth, worth a sprinkle as of now. And then we'll, uh, once we get to Friday, we'll see where it's at. Yeah, absolutely. It's the Lunder. It, you got to go with the Lunder when they, when they play over there. So, <laughs> oh, nice. Yes. Did you come up with Absolutely that? not. Totally ripped off another very, very, very popular podcast. But <laughs> yeah, I, I gave you a chance. That's I, just, okay. I, I teed it up for you. You could have just told me it was yours. That's oh, okay. That was good though. I um, that. I'm actually going to stay in the, uh, in the same side of the world as you, because I really like the Tennessee number that you can get right now. Tennessee plus four. Um, again, this is another a game. Oh, this is the game in London. Um, these games are typically lower scoring. So a Tennessee team that I could see winning this game outright, getting you know up to f- or getting four points right now, just seems like a lot to me. So definitely one that I'm keeping in mind. Definitely one that I want to. When I see a line like this that kind of throws that is a good amount off of where I would have expected it to be, I just I like to see. I like to listen to other professional betters and see what they think, why this line is hung this high. Cause it's one of those just, are they trying to bait me into taking this? Because it just seems very, very right. juicy right now. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm with you. I probably need to do some more research to formally recommend it, but uh, I think Tennessee might have the coaching advantage at this point. John Harbaugh has made some really questionable decisions the past few weeks. Uh, last week, the decision did not kick the field goal um, at the end of the first half. They were on the, about the 25-yard line. It was a fourth and two with 20 seconds left in one timeout. Uh, they went for it. I guess they Harbaugh basically said that they were trying to uh, draw them off sides, and some of the line thought they had drawn them off sides, so they just snapped it. But still, I mean, a giant miscommunication in a situation where you can't have it. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's been, there's been a few instances, uh, such as that, that have just been concerning and Brable's a great coach. I think I could easily see this being a 2017 game and you'd get the cover anyway, even if uh, it goes the other way. Um, my next, uh, line that I'm looking at right now is Minnesota at Chicago, Chicago, getting three points at home. I will take the bears in this one. 
Uh, Vikings will almost certainly not have Jefferson. That's the huge reason I'm recommending this now because I would almost guarantee you by the time we get to Friday, Jefferson will be ruled out and this line will be way closer to one or maybe even a pick 'em. Uh, because he is one of those rare wide receivers that will move a line multiple points, which um, you know you don't see very often, but definitely would happen in this game. Uh, I think I would be interested in the over of 46.5 as well. I think we could see that come down a bit if Jefferson isn't active. Uh, he is, again, he could move this uh, a half point or one point down, uh, but I still think both these defenses are just not good, and uh, especially the Chicago offenses look pretty good. I think Cousins still has enough weapons to, to get to 20 or 24 points against a bad Bears defense. So might pivot to the over, but right now Bears plus three. Uh, go ahead and take them. This Vikings team is not good enough to blow anybody out, even with Jefferson. If he comes out and plays hobbled, uh, I would, I'd still be fine with Bears plus three. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was all over Bears plus three as well. So I, I'm right there with you. And then also... I don't know where I got this number when I was filling in my template, but yeah, 46, 46 and a half for that over under, I would take that one very easily as well. So I like both of those lines. Um, I'm going to fast forward a little bit since we are, and actually as a heads up, we're going to be moving from three to five best bets each per week. Uh, since we are focusing on the betting, just giving you guys more content that way. I think we should be able to include Thursday night football games in those as well, since we're just focusing on sure. that. One of them from this Thursday, yeah. Denver plus 10 and a half at Kansas City. I need to do some research on the previous Denver KC matchups. For me, for some reason in my mind, I always think that they're at least respectively close. I don't really remember KC blowing out Denver like they've blown out Las Vegas over the past couple of years. Um, so to get 10 and a half and, you know, right now you're betting it with the potential potential of no Travis Kelsey, which we saw what that looked like in week one, I would just eat up Denver plus 10 and a half right now. I mean, they're giving as again, it's another one. It's just like, why is Vegas wanting me? Why are they giving me the hook on top of the 10 as well? Um, it's just, it's a very juicy line for me. I don't expect this game to be a blowout. I expect it to be respectfully close. So Denver plus 10 and a half has piqued my interest. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to follow you on this one. I may be just a salty Denver fan, but I'd be way more interested in taking KC and giving the points. Uh, this Denver team is just horrible. I mean, just horrible. Uh, they can't stop anybody from doing anything, especially Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they they showed okay on the, uh, the passing defense last week, but that was because Brees Hall ran for 170 plus yards, so. I see the 10 and a half. I was surprised it wasn't more, to be honest with you. I, I, I just, I mean, again, I am probably a salty Denver fan, but uh, I, I just think they are going to get smoked. I don't care if Kelsey's there or not. Noah Gray is perfectly capable of catching a wide open touchdown against the secondary. Uh, yeah, I, I think if you, so in my opinion, if you want to go with the Denver side, I'd, I'd take the under here because I just don't see, Denver's not going to put up more than 24 points. So if you really, if you think they're going to compete in this one, I'd probably just go that way because the over-under is at uh, 49 right now. Uh, if they can hold, you know, they just sometimes divisional games are closer than we think. If they can hold the Chiefs offense to 24 or so points, you know, then, you know, they could get to the under that way. But in my opinion, I'd, I'd be staying away from betting on this Denver team. They they burned me in the <laughs> – I may be also salty because I uh, put them in my best bets column two weeks ago and they lost by 50. But, um, yeah, anyway, it just it's it's not good right now. Yeah, um, I'm definitely going to do some research and just try and find some statistics that make me feel good about that one. But you may have just your 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 reaction may have just completely taken me I, off of it. I 
I don't blame you because it's definitely one of those with the way Denver's the way Denver's trending right now. Like there's there's a chance KC just wins it by two touchdowns, and you know it's never really a game. It's just thinking back. I mean, people kind of thought the same thing last year. I feel like both games were, you know, again respectfully close. So it's just in a divisional game to get over ten. And I guess maybe I don't know why I have these these Denver blinders on, but it's just hard for me to look at Denver and think of them as a bottom two or three team in the NFL. Like I just, I, yeah. I don't know why it is, but it, for it's just, we almost never bottom out. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the only top five pick we've had in the past like 25 years was Von Miller. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you're right. It's like the Vikings and the, the Broncos are kind of in a similar situation right now. Both of those franchises are historically very successful. Never, almost never, ever bottom out, but uh, looks like both of them have a chance to do that this year. Uh, and honestly, for both teams, it might be best case scenario because you are doing it in a loaded quarterback class and both of them are going to need a quarterback moving forward. So I think it might be for the best long term, but there are going to be some lumps to be taken for both of them uh, in the meantime. Uh, next one I'm looking at here is Seattle plus two and a half at Cincinnati. Uh, I'm really curious to see what this line would have been if the Bengals had struggled in Arizona, even if they'd won, you know, if the offense had still struggled, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm hard pressed to believe that they would have even been giving points to Seattle. I feel like uh, if you would have given this line out before this Arizona game, it would have been Seattle by two or three. Uh, So for it to move this much based on a performance against the Arizona Cardinals, who many people expected to be the worst team in the league coming into the year is just surprising because Seattle didn't do anything. They were on a bye. They have a full week to prep for Cincinnati. Uh, I I'm not convinced that they are all the way back. Uh, Joe Burrow. I, I was listening to a podcast this morning that was uh, brought up an interesting point, basically that Joe Burrow is not taking any snaps out of the, out of the uh, under center. He's taking every snap out of the shotgun, which tells you that his cap is, almost certainly not hundred percent because he is not comfortable, you know, taking a five, six step drop and driving off of his leg to throw the ball. So until I see that, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, it's going to limit this offense. And we just saw Seattle. I know it was, <laughs> I know it was the giants and their offensive line is laughably bad, but still 10 sacks is 10 sacks. I think they'll be able to get after the Bengals, and I think they're just the better team right now. So I'd be very comfortable taking the, taking the points and I'd probably just take them to win, honestly. Yeah, I don't have too much to add. I really didn't have a beat on this game. I feel like the line kind of threw me off a little bit as well. Also, there was a sleeper report that came out Sunday morning that said basically Joe Burrow's not really even that close to being fully healthy, and he's still multiple weeks out from getting there. So, I yeah, I don't really know it's, it's, how you beat an uninspired. It's really hard to get healthy yeah. mid-season playing NFL football. I mean, because it's just one wrong step. He tweaks it a little bit and he's got, you know, he's going to add two weeks to his timeline. So yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's going to be tough for the Bengals to get him all the way back to hundred percent mid season while he's playing. Uh, you know, I guess if they just get lucky and he keeps going into games and, you know, not tweaking it over and over and over, he'll eventually get there, but it's very tough to, to go out and play an NFL game and not injure a, uh, you know, it's, it's hard not to get injured in an NFL game when you're healthy, let alone having a bad leg. So, um, yeah, I, don't, I just I like the Seahawks team. I think they're a really solid squad. They had the blip in week one, but uh, they've been they were expected to be a really good team coming in. And uh, this will be a true test for the Bengals to see if they're actually back. Yeah, I'm actually just going to stay at the same game because one of the uh, I actually had a little bit of a take on the total over under 46 and a half. 
I thought the over under was going to be closer to probably 28 plus or I'm sorry, 48 plus. Um, so I see a couple points of value, both, you know, Cincinnati's secondary and Seattle secondary have been, I get slightly worse than I was expecting coming into the season. We'll see what Seattle looks like coming off a, uh, a week of rest, but with the offensive talent in this game, I could see it getting to 27, 24 pretty quickly. Um, obviously we'll see, we'll see how the Seattle secondary with, with their injuries, how they're doing with, I don't know. You kind of talked me off a little bit with your Joe Burrow take, because if Seattle's pass rush looks like they did against New York, Joe Burrow is not going to be able to go anywhere in that game. That scares so, me a little bit. Yeah, I will. Again, and these are just early lines that I, you know, when I took a look at what I thought lines were going to be versus what they were. Yeah, we're not locking anything in. These right are now. definitely ones that I just had a little bit of a different opinion on, but we'll see. We'll run. We'll look at some stats. We'll see what the uh, what the data says. But the over still has my interest. But like you said, there's a chance for. Seattle's, you know, fronts, front four, front seven to just dominate this game and make Joe Burrow, you know, basically just struggle. And I would also like to say that uh, Jamar Chase was like 70 to 80 percent of Joe Burrow's volume over, you know, this game. I mean, it was basically just wherever Jamar Chase was, he was going with the football. So that also just doesn't really make me feel too good about the Cincinnati offense as a whole getting going because it was really just one guy, one connection. Right. I mean, not the worst idea to throw it to him every time, but yeah, I, um, you know, I just, I won't belabor that point. I just kind of made it myself. So uh, I thought 46 and a half was a pretty good line. Uh, you know, I was willing to be convinced one way or another, but you know, I, I just in my head could see Cincinnati struggling again on offense. If they only get to 14 or 17 points, that is a lot of heavy lifting that Seattle has to do against, um, you know, not a terrific defense in the Bengals, but still a pretty solid unit. Uh, they've been, you know, Pretty, I'd say pretty run-of-the-mill, yep. maybe slightly above average on the road. Uh, you know, West Coast team traveling east. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, count on them scoring 30 points, even though I like their offense in this one. Um, well, we'll get, we'll just get later in the week and see where that line ends up. Yep. Last one I want to throw out there before uh, we head. Uh, actually, Cody has one more as well, but Carolina at Miami. Miami is favored by 13 and a half points. I will almost never, ever, ever, ever consider double digit favorites uh, on the line in the NFL. But if this stays under two touchdowns, I'm probably in. Um, I, I don't, I just, they, they won by 15 against the Giants last week and they should have won by 30. Uh, Tua threw a pick six on the five yard line. They, um, they let their foot off the gas really hard at the end of this game, obviously, because they didn't really, you know, need the points. And uh, they still cover. So this is another, this is maybe even a worse team in the Panthers, uh, at least as bad. And they're still under two touchdowns. Uh, I would expect this line to move towards Miami. This offense is absolutely incredible. We just saw the Panthers get shredded by the Lions, who as good as they are, are not as good as this Miami unit. So um, yeah, until this goes over two scores or two touchdowns, I will be comfortable taking it. Uh, this This is just... It's just a maybe historically good offense against a, a team that is going to finish probably in the bottom five of the NFL. I, I think you can you can feel pretty comfortable about this one. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I probably... I thought it would be higher. Yeah. I'm, I thought this would be a 17-point game. I, I really did. Yeah, I'm, I agree with you on that aspect. Is I definitely thought it could have been a lot higher. Um, I agree with you on I don't really love recommending almost two touchdown favorites. I hate but. It. It feels icky. If you're getting it for under two touchdowns, I don't like that's the time to bet it. I mean, it it is what it is. I mean, if you 
you know, listen to other betting podcasts. They're always going to recommend you taking the points when they're giving you more than 10, but this Miami team is just something different. So I just, I do not see a path for this Panthers team to compete in this game. I do not see a path beyond, you know, Tua just imploding and giving the Panthers a a defensive touchdown or two. Um, Because this is just, I mean, this is the worst run defense in the NFL going up against the best rush offense in the NFL. Like I just, they're, they have shredded every team they have played on the ground, and now they get the worst run defense in the league. Like, I just don't see a path to the Panthers putting up a competitive effort. Yeah, and I mean, if I would have told you, you know, the Lions line was 13 and a half last week, you would have probably been like, uh, I don't, uh, but Carolina just stinks, man. They are just not a and good they, football team, and they they got they got that late touchdown. Like, that was a garbage-time touchdown that they got and still lost by 18 in that game. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I just yep. – I, I don't see it. I think Miami's going to absolutely destroy them. And, um, yeah, I'd be okay 13 and a half. Once it gets to 14 and a half, I'm probably out, though, because that's that's kind of where you just get into backdoor cover territory. You know, Miami could win yeah. 42 to 28 with two touchdowns at the end by Carolina, and, you know, you could be a little frustrated there. So that that's probably where I'd be off of it. But 13 and a half, I'll take it. 100%. My last one I'm going to talk about here before we get out is New Orleans at Houston. Houston getting two and a half at home. I just really like this Houston team. Both their offense and defense have been really overperforming based on what we thought in the preseason. So getting points at home against a struggling offense sounds great to me. Um, I expect this game to be relatively low scoring. The Saints do not give up a lot of points, and the Texans defense has been playing really good. So I'm going to take the home dog when I think that that's going to be the formula for the game. And this may be a little bit of arrogance on my part, but I'd rather trust my money betting on CJ Stroud than Derek Carr right now. And CJ Stroud is a whole five games into his NFL career. So um, I don't know if you watch very much of the Atlanta Houston game, obviously did not realize tank Dell went out so early, but that what should have been a game-winning drive by C.J. Stroud was extremely impressive. And I think you can feel pretty comfortable not only betting money on him, but on the D'Amico Ryan's defense as well to be able to keep his team at least relatively in it against the majority of middling teams in the NFL. You know, if they played the Bills, I expect the Bills to blow them out still. But if they're getting these Saints teams, they're getting the Falcons, teams like that, I'm going to, I'm going to take Houston anytime I can get the points right now. Yeah. I think, uh, the league is a, well, just the, I guess the fantasy community more so, but it's, they've been slow to come around on this Houston team a little bit, especially the defense. I feel like no one really, you know, the first couple games has just been like, Oh, well it's Houston. You know, like you, you can play your guys against Houston, but they might actually just be pretty good. I mean, they've taken a lot of high draft capital players on that side of the ball. D'Amico Ryans, as you mentioned, is a defensive-oriented head coach. He's a really good coach, at, at least to this point, uh, for my eyes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think this Houston team is uh, definitely a sleeper to be maybe, you know, sneaking into the back end of the playoff conversation. I think Vegas uh, or the Sharps agree with you because the the line I'm looking at right now is Houston plus one and a half, so it's already on the move. Shit. Uh, the other line I like in this game – yeah, exactly. Uh, the other line I like in this game is the under. Uh, 41 and a half the saints uh we we just cashed their under last week their totals so far in their five games have been 31 37 35 35 and 34 uh and i just mentioned that the houston defense is probably better than most people expect as well so this could easily be a you know 17 14 
21-17 type of game. As long as it stays above 40, I will uh, I will heavily consider that in my best bets as well. Yeah, I don't mind it at all. Um, yeah, the Saints defense is really, really good. But all right, they're excellent. We're gonna keep yeah. this right at 45 minutes here for you guys. We are uh, hoping switching to betting will shorten up the episodes a little bit. So not too bad for the first one. Uh, Nick, we will talk on Thursday. Obviously, make sure you tune into the Thursday podcast. Now that we're just focusing on betting, Thursday night football games are 100% you know, in the locks as well. Five locks coming for you guys from now on as well, so make sure to be on the lookout for those. Uh, but, Nick, let's get out of here. Let's get some uh, preparation ready for Thursday night football. Let's make some money this week. Peace.